but walk the streets that appear at door. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow and someday there will never more wander but walk the streets as always, we are grateful to God for the privileges that he continues to grant us to consider his word, to study it, and to consider adopting it against our own lives. That's what it's all about, and we are trying our best to move in that direction. And we're thankful to God as we move along every day for all that he continues to do and allow us to do. And uh, in spite of our slowfulness and uh, along with our smartness and the absence many times of due diligence. On the great task of the church and the Christian is to live up to what he understands and knows and while searching for additional knowledge, certainly trying to take care of that which we, to which we already exposed. So it's a pleasure to represent God to you, his people, and hopefully to gain and grow in my success in communicating effectively the word of God. And beyond that lies the hope of inspiration. It is not enough for us who are serious about preaching to preach. We want to see God's will done. And uh, you hardly haven't preached or taught until you can touch the lives of people and affect change. And that's the difficult aspect of it. It's a sensation to us who preach for someone to walk up afterwards and come say, we really enjoyed that sermon. A great message. Uh, but it's even more... It's exciting when we see that being worked out uh, in people's lives and they really comprehend what's going on uh, in response to God's will. We largely created a body of hearers and not necessarily doers. And uh, that does not mean that none's trying to do. But uh, we have been in the vein of a, kind of in a corrective position in the world that uh, religion was not doing what it ought to do. Churches are not all right, so we've been teaching along those lines. But our focus has not been on inspiring us to do the right that we know. We have felt that we were right and we were correct because we pointed out to others where they were wrong and did not have the correct understanding. While all of that is true, the ultimate is for us to be excited to action and to do the will of God. Not only we are we hearers of the word, but we are doers. And I appreciate to the highest those of you who are associated with that concept here at Simpson Street of uh, trying to be inspired and trying to do out of our limited resources. And when I say limited resources, I don't mean our money. Uh, I mean, all that which we reach back into and get an understanding to move forward with. We have been 
many of us have been seriously limited in our early, by our earlier teaching. And it puts us in a position not being able to think scripturally because of a predetermination of what we were taught in the past. And we believe that and we focused on that, so therefore that comes out in our response to the word. Those of you who sit in judgment on my preaching and other people's preaching, it's from your background that you do that. What you were told that that's not what I have been told, that's not what I understand. And that's why it's important that we do not become angry with one another when one disagrees. Because it's very difficult to think beyond your background. Uh, you would not know ABCs if nobody had taught you that. And uh, everything we have is learned knowledge. And positions that we hold, we tend to think they are eternal. Many people have thought that and found out that the ideas were not scriptural at all. So we have to throw ourselves open to that. Even the best teaching that we have, that we've known all of our lives, it never gets beyond being bounced against the book for the integrity of concept. Uh, I want to uh, compliment uh, uh, the Reeds today because they're back in their house. Uh, and, and Brother Reed stopped me in my place to say, furnished and fully debt free. So uh, God has made an impact on their lives, and we are happy that things have worked out as well as they have. I want to express our appreciation for last Sunday, a great day in the Lord, laying a foundation for us to do greater works for the Lord. Uh, these opportunities of uh, Fifth Sunday Fellowship, our zone programs, and so forth are offering us opportunities to do some of God's work in real ways and allowing us to pay the price of making it happen. Not just wishing that it would happen, but in fact, it actually in reality happening. Uh, this is a real point of opportunity in the life of the Simpson Street Church of Christ uh, to give full church support to critical programs for the church. And maybe that's one way we can look at ourselves as errors of the past. Maybe these type things have not been pointed out as they should have been, but I think on the Fifth Sunday Fellowship and on our uh, zone programs and other programs and programs in our educational department are opportunities for us to address the cause of redemption and not just for us to come out and hear one another perform, but to get involved in the restructuring of life. Uh, great opportunities for fellowship and trying to learn more about each other and how we can better serve one another and handling the rough points of life. Tremendous opportunities for ministry uh, to do God's will. Uh, just this week I uh, had gotten a call from uh, Louise, Sister Guthrie's daughter, and said that her mother had been calling my name and, and asking me to come out to see her. And, and, and certainly I took advantage of that opportunity as expeditiously as I could. Uh, but when I was with her, I studied the whole situation of what this means, my coming there. Uh, how do we reach out and make our presence with another important? Uh, 
not just when one has surgery, run by and check them and see them and go. But what is the meaning of what we are doing? And why is there a desire for us to see others? I saw, I saw that as a tremendous opportunity uh, for us to relate to people in the time of emotional need. And, 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 and we're in the business of studying one another, uh, seeing what each other needs. And uh, uh, that's what we're all about. The great opportunities of evangelism, the Zone program offers us. And I, I mention that program again because these are opportunities that we have that we may not capture, that we may fail to utilize it as we ought to. We may sleep the opportunity, and it all goes by, nothing done. Uh, and the great challenge is, is the challenge of organizational and structural. We put these programs together, and then nobody gets involved in doing the program. And uh, we are great people for organization in our country and in our times. But organization alone does not do it. Ultimately, it's just like using technology. you got to have somebody to operate it. So the programs that we have uh, that, that, that allow us opportunities of evangelism and building our relationships one with another, giving the word of God place in our lives, must be seized upon us. Evangelism. Uh, our church is hurting for the attendance of its own members on a regular basis. Uh, we, we face that, and yet uh, some of us continue to handle that haphazardly. We may come or we, do not, or we may not come. It is equally as important that our members show up every time possible, as often as possible, as it is that the minister, the elders, and deacons show up. Uh, it, it, it's a joint venture that we have in God. And when we pledged ourselves to God as much as we pledged ourselves to our spouses, uh, they deserve our presence. Uh, they deserve our attention. And uh, I did not say, or we did not say I do just to our spouses because we wanted to cross a chasm, but that we are in the process of giving ourselves deeply to each other. Uh, allowing them access into us that uh, they have not had, and our being a true resource for them uh, when they need us. And when I say yes to Christ, uh, whether you are a member of the church or not, uh, when, when you and all of us are obligated to say yes to Christ. And, and when we say yes to him, I'm totally available to you first in life for what you want me to do and how I may be utilized. And uh, it, it's, it's the movement of the church beyond the haphazardness of the church, the undependability, the lack of reliance uh, that disallows the church the mobility that it ought to have because it cannot depend on its membership and on its leadership and on its people to do what ought to be done. This is a living organism. And if it's not thriving and functioning and moving, nothing happens. Uh, the preacher cannot run that alone. The elder cannot run that alone. The Bible school teacher cannot run that alone. It is important that we have our children and ourselves in class every Sunday, every time we meet, Wednesday, whatever the chances are, Friday night. All of these are teaching opportunities and opportunities to grow. 
and not for us just to slough them off. Well, I'll get around to it. Attendance is extremely important. And then lastly, in that list is stewardship. We're stewards of God. And what are we doing with what he has given us and that to which he has, has exposed us? It, these are opportunities that allow the whole church to minister. Now for the message today, uh, the rest of the message, uh, I, I want to briefly call your attention to the uh, letter of Paul to Colossae, uh, that congregation, the third chapter of uh, the book of Colossians, uh, working from the King James Version and using as a side version the Philip's translation, for which I have a great deal of respect and always incorporated into my ministry. God seeks to raise us to a level of understanding that is automatically productive for him. I say that again. It's very important that we be raised to a level of understanding, comprehension, and relationship with God that is highly productive for God. You cannot ask a sinner to do God's work. And the difference between the sinner and us is that we have made ourselves available to God for the doing of his will. Now, if that's not true, you tell me what Christianity means. He has not called us to him to make excuses and to allow his work to go on without us, but it is through us that God produces. And every time you and I fail to do that, we fail our Lord. It's a great life to which we have been called. And listen to Paul in the King James Version, the first verse. If you then be risen with Christ, if you then, if you then be risen, a presumption that you are, and if you then be risen with Christ, if you've risen with Christ, what's the challenge? That you seek those things which are above. That's an obligation. If I am married to my wife, if I am the father of my children, that requires certain things of me. And no one should have to come by and teach me that. Because that's a choice I made. Even if accidentally done, it's a choice that I made, fatherhood and parenthood. Whether or not you plan the child, you'll put yourself in a position of obligation. And I think we fail to see that with the church. The church is something we handle somewhat lackadaisically. In our relationship, we do it if we want to, we don't, we don't, etc. That's not really the case. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above and not on things on the earth. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Now, here is some mind control problems. How do I set my affections on things above when that ain't what I'm interested in? It's a challenge to do a root job on ourselves. To handle our lives and expose our lives and and, and, and focus our life so that we begin to want what God wants us to have. 
It's not good enough for us to say, well, that's just not the way I feel about it. I need to ask, why is it I don't feel that way? Why is it that I can be comfortable not feeling supportive of my family? Knowing that that's an obligation that I have, is something wrong here somewhere? That I don't feel toward my spouse, I don't feel toward my children, I don't feel toward my church, whatever it may be, like I understand from the scriptures that I ought to feel. So it means that I have to set out to achieve ends that would allow my thinking to be adjusted. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a technician. My wanting to do it does not qualify me. And somehow I think that in the black community, we kind of ruptured our children and tell them anything you want to do, you can do it. That's a lot of truth in that, but that's not an absolute. I wanted to play basketball, I don't qualify. And regardless of how much you work on me, I cannot do what a six foot man has to do. Some of the things I want to do are achievable while some are out of my reach. So I have to sit down and decide what is achievable for me and what do I need to do in order to qualify for that. And there's plenty in the Lord's church that you can qualify for and not go off focusing on something that's not what God called you to. And I have to understand God has that prerogative. I do not. Regardless of how difficult or how much I try to do a seven-foot man's job, I'm not going to ever be able to do a seven-foot man's job. I can do some of the things that he does. So the best thing for me to do is cut down to 5'8". When I'm pleading for the eight. <laughs> Cut back on that and, and, and focus my life within that range. Then I can seek the higher things and perhaps achieve them. Philip's translation translates that same reference this way. If you are risen with Christ, Reach out for the highest gifts of heaven where Christ reigns in power. That's what you're reaching for. Give your heart to heavenly things and not to the passing things of the earth. For as far as this world is concerned, hear me, brethren, you're already dead. A death which most of us have not accepted. When I argue with the church and with my brethren and with whomever it is, I may be arguing for my rights. That's not the rights that I ought to be arguing for. For as far as this world is concerned, you're already dead. 
And your life, true life, is a hidden one in God. One day when Christ, the secret center of our lives. Man, I like that. The secret center of our lives will show himself openly. And you will all share in that magnificent denouement. Reading that passage made me think about another passage in the Corinthian letter, as Philip translates that passage different. First uh, Corinthians. Where Paul is saying, when I came to you, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here in this translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In the same way, my brothers, when I came to proclaim to you God's secret purpose, when I came to you to proclaim to you God's secret purpose, I did not come with, come equipped with any of my own brilliancy of speech or of intellect. And I like this when he says, you may as well know now. Man, I like that. That's country talk for me. That's how we told each other off when we were children. You may as well know now. I don't like that. I don't care anything about what you think. You might, let's get this straight right now. And that's what Paul is saying. You may as well know now that it was my secret determination. That's deep, man. That's heavy. Regardless of what you thought about when I came to Corinth, my secret, personal, profound determination, the one thing I was looking for was the proclamation of Christ and his death upon the cross. That's all I was really after. It's the quality of person Christ allows us to become and that enthralls our hearts. For you are dead and your life is a hidden one with God. Therefore, verse 5 of this reference says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. That definitely requires deep thinking. Now here we're getting into the sexual control of our lives. The, the sexual urgencies that we have that come upon us without invitation. See, that's how deep Christianity reaches. It's not just a natural thing you do. You've got to do, the, refuse to do some of the things your body naturally prepares you for. I, in, in, in college, when studying these subjects, it was mentioned to us time and time again that that sex is one of the main urges of life. It's just like food. I can't tell myself not to get hungry. And no need me getting excited when I do get hungry, etc. But here Paul is saying, with the sexual urges have to be operated within a certain range, and God is dependent on you to control your mind to keep it in there. 
Now this eliminates my right to go to artificial means of prohibiting impregnation and frees me to practice sexual activity. It runs squarely in the face of that. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And one that you got to mortify, bring it into control, or to put it to death in terms of the freedom of activity is sexual urges. We talk about birth control, we talk about abortion, pro-birth, uh, pro-life, etc. And this is a concept that has meaning for us beyond single people getting together. It's, it, it's a fact of life, period. Uh, and one of the great issues of, uh, of, of uh, sexuality. When, when one of the things when you use, when you put to use contraceptives, uh, those who think they're handling it that way, in contraceptives you ask, you are making an effort to prevent God from acting. It's a hindrance. It precludes the natural process. And uh, therefore, since you can preclude the natural process, we feel we're free to engage in the process. But that's not what the good book says. It says mortify, put to death. And as far as I can best read the scriptures and according to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it says not let fornication be so much as named among you as becoming saints. Then that's an eradication. That's getting it totally out of business. If you're outside the marital vows according to Paul in Ephesians 5 and this in Colossians, you have no right to engage in sexual activity. Now, I know that does not come down good. But that's book, chapter, and verse. As I said, in, 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 in contraceptives, the use of contraceptives, it, it, it's a matter, and, and I'm saying this because not only do single people have to think about this, married people have to think about this. If you're talking about divine action, are you free to prevent God from acting within the marital vow? That's where the argument really starts. Uh, and uh, it's, an, it's an intervention into, the, into divinity regardless of how you approach it. I used to do an awful lot of teaching on, a fair amount of teaching on this. Contraceptives is a, is a way to prevent God from acting. Abortion is to wipe out what God has done. The difference of the two, you both, you both, in, 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 and you got to think about that. Don't ask me what to do, I'm just telling you the scripture. And, 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 and I'm very comfortable doing it because I think that my task and my responsibility is, is to be sure that people know. That's the reason I can get along with people who, with whom I do not agree. Because the responsibility is to be sure I'm informed. 
And be sure that you go down the road, there's a hole in the road. Now, if you want to drive down that road anyway, that's your business. But you've got to answer to God for it. But Paul says, and, and what I'm really interested in, not so much about sex, but the fact that it is a controlling the predetermined. That's a tremendous challenge. It want me to get to the point where I don't want what I want. Thank you, somebody. I want to have sex with this person to whom I am not married. Paul says, control it and stay out. That's what he says. And you can talk about Pauline doctrine is so difficult and all that. It, it, it ain't Paul, it's, the, it's, it's, it's life. And, 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 and we distinguish ourselves in being what? Masters of control. Coming up as a young man, where many young women and men were uh, engaging in activity, sexual activity, I made in my mind the best way to be sure that I don't get no baby before I marry is don't get into no sex. I made that up, mine up on that a long time ago. You know. And I don't think that sex is an out for us when we are dissatisfied with our partner's performance. Gotta satisfy that some other way. It only complicates matters, makes it worse. But mortify your members that are upon the earth. Uncleanness, inordinate affection. What do you mean by misplaced affection? And that, not only, that, that, that does not only happen between men and women and women and men. It happens between men and men. And there's nothing sexual about that. If I am honoring and respecting and following a person who ought not be fallen out of affection, I'm in violation of the scriptures. I have no business letting inordinate, unacceptable people who are not committed to God lead me around. I've got to watch to whom I become affected, affectionate. And many of our decisions in church are made out of the base of affection. And that's why cliques are not good. And they have to be controlled from within. Because why you have a clique is to look out for our members. Same thing as on Capitol Hill, special interest people. They're going to be sure that folk are taken care of first. And that's, it becomes a problem because I don't care what happened to other people as long as my folk are served. And same thing about gang warfare. The same attitude you see in the church where people are in gangs and you start acting outside the gang, they drop you out of life. We do essentially the same thing in the church. We be friends with one another, and one in our group start acting up, we dump them. You're not in our group no more. We don't like y'all no more because you won't do what I say do. That's the reason why our affection must be set on things which are above and not on things on the earth. No one, including this preacher, has a right to control the church contrary to God's will. That's the level to which Christ is trying to bring us. 
and to bless us. Uh, evil concupiscences, covetousness, and idolatry. Uh, the concept of concupiscences has to do with a strong desire, especially sexual. And, and, and the thing I would like for you to remember about this message today is that God is challenging us to a level that is unnatural. That's the thing I'm really interested in. Uh, mine is not a sexual, pro-sexual, non-sexual. It's, it's the fact that what, regardless of what's involved, God has to be first. And that is not easy to arrive at. Well, you talk about your preacher, your elder, your deacon, or member, whatever it is. It's a battle we have to fight, and we have to be constantly conditioning ourselves to give God first choice. And Paul says covetousness, which is idolatry. Philip's translation says, which is as serious a sin as idolatry. Coveting, wanting to deprive others what they have, etc. Can't operate comfortable because someone else is doing better than we are. I mean, it, it, it's an horrendous challenge. As, as far as I can best read the scripture. And I'd like to say, as I always say when preaching, uh, is that we can do it. God has not challenged us to do anything that we can't do. And our predecessors and many of those who've gone on before us lived lives of total fidelity to those concepts. Always denying themselves because they understood that's where God wanted them to be. That's a personal decision you have to make that will qualify your life in a different way than it would if you did not make that, that decision. Concluding with your patience, verse 8 of the Philippian, of, of the Colossian letter, I like very much reading from King James Version. But now put off all of these. Put off all of these. Anger. Man, how do I handle anger? Are you telling me not to get angry? I don't have to tell myself to get angry. I'm going to get angry. Somebody does something I don't like, my blood pressure goes up. But what Paul is saying, control it. And we have to kind of run ourselves through free runs in this kind of thing. I remember when I used to work on the livestock farm back in North Carolina, chicken farm. And uh, my, one of my jobs was to uh, litter the chicken pens. And we did it with the shavings. Because one of the lumber factories not too far away, they had shavings. And they piled shavings up, oil on as high as this building. You could have them for going and getting them. The man I worked for put, him together, put himself together, uh, what I called, we called in back then, a doodlebug. That was a, a car where you take the car and you cut the wheels uh, off and move them closer to the front wheels. Kind of like a little tractor. And then he created a, a trailer, uh, reached from here to Brother Bragg's over there, to hook up behind that, load it up, go up there and haul them shavings in. 
And those were in the days of, some of y'all don't know nothing about this, uh, was mechanical brakes. So you had mechanical brakes, and then you had fluid brakes, then you came up with power brakes. Y'all think it ain't never been nothing but power brakes. <laughs> and, 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 and the mechanical brakes was there with a rod that ran from the foot pedal all the way back to the wheel. And you kind of, when you put your foot on that uh, brake up there, if, if it was too much coming behind you, the car wouldn't stop. And here I come coming down the highway where I'm on my doodle bug, loaded up with shavings and went off the truck. And, and I was all, I said all that to say this, I was always watching to be sure somebody didn't run out in front of me. And I was always watching the side of the road where, where I could ditch that thing. <laughs> now, for some reason, I never forgot that. But uh, this is what Paul is, is to me, is, is, is saying to us, uh, but now put off anger. Put off the lack of control. Bringing these things under control. And I'm always watching for when people do stuff that will make me angry, I kind of predetermine how I'm going to act. I do that till today. Because I can't control my getting angry. I can't tell myself not to get angry. Somebody walks up and hits my wife, I'm already on top of them. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and kick my children around, that kind of stuff going, not only make me angry, it make me want to go get a gun. And use it when I get back. <laughs> and, and, and somewhat facetious, but this is a kind of a travel that we, we have to do. Uh, with one another and with ourselves. Put off wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication. I grew up in a community where they talked about everything anywhere. And you could sit on the side of the road and the boys are talking about who they had sex with the night before and so forth and telling the experiences and all that stuff, you know. I quit going on the side of the road. Either you're going to quit or you're going to start doing it. And, I, and, and, and all I'm, I'm, I'm saying is that God has pulled together for himself, praise the Lord, a great body of believers at Simpson Street. Uh, and we differ with one another. I know you do. Some of you don't agree with what I said this morning. <laughs> And, and, and that's all right. It's only we are focusing on growth and reaching the level. You know, uh, it's some things Sister Harrison and I have not agreed on in 50 years. And the only one that we have agreed on, I'll let her stay there. And I can tell, I can tell how she looks at me. I get a whooping when I get home. <laughs> but uh, seriously speaking, we can't build a fellowship on total agreement. You just can't do it. It's not going to work that way. That's not the way life is. And, and, it, and it's somewhat idiotic for us to keep trying to work on a plane that doesn't exist. Now, if, if, if anything we've learned is that we disagree with one another. So we've got to move beyond that and work things out. 
So now how do we do that? Like when we have asked Brother Span uh, to head this, Brother, uh, Brother uh, King to head this, how can I best support you in this? It doesn't mean I agree with everything you're doing, but let me find out what you're saying first. And, and, and this is an opportunity. If these programs that we put together are successful, and they can be, our membership can go up, our fidelity can increase, our support to the church will grow, and we can continue our lives progressively for God. That's what we're really after. We're not here to argue with one another. That's not what this is about. We are here to find ways, hear me please, to be more cooperative with God through each other. Now if that's not it, maybe we need to redefine ourselves and find out why we're here. What's the purpose of our gathering? Uh, the comment like Brother Braggs and Brother Bradshaw and uh, Brother Golden, uh, Brother Bates, uh, uh, Brother... Uh, 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 Anybody else? I don't want to miss nobody. <laughs> uh, my mind played a trick on me. Then I was thinking, I was thinking about uh, Brother Valentino Bates when I said Bates, then it hit me. There's another Bates sitting over there. So, but the song leaders, let them just lead us in song and we enjoy it like they can whoop it up. It's, it's a purpose beyond all of that. We glory in that. We thank God for allowing us to have that experience. And if you're here who can see in some way that you need to make that change. You may need to just stay on the seat where you are and make that change. I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better person. Uh, I'm going to be a more honorable husband for my wife and a more acceptable wife, an honorable wife for my husband. You don't need to come downstairs, stay front and tell us about that. Just do it. Go to work and watch the change waves as they sweep through the church. But if you have committed some offense that publicly is capable of embarrassing the church, then you come and apologize to the church for that and ask for its prayers. The main reason why we're here in extending the invitation too is to allow people to take advantage of the opportunity of accepting Jesus Christ and putting him on it. Nothing more important than that. I don't know anything where there is equal joy than people obeying the gospel and rededicating their lives to Jesus Christ. And that's what makes the church move. It excites the church, it incites the church and allows us to go forward. And the elders are going to be coming before us and we're going to all be praying as we sing. Brother Bradshaw will be leading us in our hymn shortly. If you're here to respond to heaven's invitation to be baptized, to put Christ on, or to uh, make amends for your transgressions against the will of God, uh, we ask that you take advantage of that now as we together stand and sing our hymn of invitation. All in day, all in day, all in day. White from the sunshine of love with thy robe, Father. Father.